through the efforts of the church, we also spread the good news abroad as witnesses. So we, we share with you that I go, that's you personally, we go as a church, and then we are part of the collective effort abroad. And I want to use that to engage us in prayer. So I would say it this way. I pray, we pray, and let us pray. And that collective effort of prayer is a command that is asked of us as believers when we fellowship. It also helps to strengthen our faith. Senior Pastor George Martin Jr. continues his prayer series in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 12. Last week, we, po we focused on the, the personal commitment that we should make to prayer and how significant it is for us as an individual to engage in a lifestyle of prayer. So now that we understand that we each one, each individually has a compelling charge by God to pray, now let us pray. Let us come together in prayer. The sign above the door read, we accomplish more together. Now, it was intended to convey the message that a collective unified effort can significantly enhance the level of achievement of the desired outcome. Although faith and believing God, trusting and trusting our hope in him, and as well as accepting his word as truth is a personal individual endeavor. However, the collective faith or agreement in faith is an essential part of a community of faith. That even though each one of us personally must come to the place the realization to accept God ourselves and accept his word as truth and place our hope in him, we do that individually, but in a community of faith, it's essential that we come together in that faith. Now, this sense of doing things together or being on one accord is all throughout Scripture. And Jesus even prayed for it, he encouraged it, and even prayed for it. And as we declared even earlier as our congregation of Scripture, that he wanted us to be on one accord, one accord. So this idea of coming together and doing it together is all throughout Scripture. But here's the thing. The principle of togetherness in prayer had already been conveyed by his father to the great King Solomon. Because to King Solomon, he says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. He says, if they would come together on one accord, I know that there may be those who are praying and continuing to pray without ceasing, but if the people of God collectively come together, he says, then I'll respond. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll, you'll hear from heaven. 
forgive their sins and heal their land. So this week we're going to consider how the power of prayer is significantly intensified when we do it together, when we come together in prayer. Now, there's something that's important to understand about the background here because this is not the first time that Peter has been in jail. If you go back and look in, in chapter 4, you'll find that he and John were preaching and they hauled them off to prison. And then, even then, the angel of the Lord came and opened the gate, told them to go back to the temple and, be, and begin preaching. But there's something different because these are particularly challenging times for the young church because we see Peter and John being put in prison. And, but Herod has upped the ante because not only is Peter there in jail to stop him from preaching, He's there waiting to be executed. If you go up and earlier in the chapter, you see that, that Herod has just killed James. James, who was a part of that inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Now, here's something that's significant about that because James was like a brother to Peter, but he was John's brother. And unlike before, they went in prison waiting to figure out what's going to happen. He knows exactly what Herod's plan is for him this time. So the people of God are praying. And they're praying intently because, yes, they prayed before, but this time knowing that this will be Peter's end, they come together in prayer. So this was challenging times. One of their key leaders have been, has been killed. And now they're, 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 they're waiting, they're on the eve of Peter, another prominent leader, being killed. So it's a challenging time for the young church. And I'd like to draw some parallels between Amity and this. Now, obviously, we're not under duress and, and, and persecution, and there's no fear of death. However, it's a different time for them. Things have changed. For us, we are a young church, just as the church was at the time. Five years old. It's important to understand that five is significant because, statistically speaking, half of all new churches that start close in the first three years. Here's another fact. Half of the half that survive close before year five. And yet God has blessed Amity five years. Amen. It's a challenging time because change doesn't come easy for us as human beings. We, we're going through a transition, a pastoral change. 
our founding pastor, our long endeared pastor, Pastor Smith, has retired. We're transitioning. Something new, something different, but unfamiliar. We're trying to expand our ministry effort after having gone through the pandemic. We spent a year and a half, no services, no in-person services, just recording messages and uploading and streaming them on Sunday. So as we are in this time of transition and change, even as the young church was experiencing, what are we going to do? We all, we've always had Peter, James, and John. Now James is gone. And Peter may also. So here lies the blessing in what we see. That the people of God, although each one of them likely were praying for Peter, we see in verse 5 that they all came together to pray. Understanding that yes, we're all praying, but if we come together, it intensifies our prayer. Which leads us to our first point. That we as Amity Bible Church, we are a community of faith. In verse 5, we see that Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church, that each one of them were, were putting their faith in with others. Think of it in this way. If I had a trash bag and I said, we're going to put, all of us will do our part to fill the bag up. Each one of us will come and bring what we have because some of us may have greater faith than others. Some of us may have smaller faith. We may have the faith of a mustard seed. Others may have great faith. But whoever we are and whatever we are, when we come, we bring what we have and we put it in. The obje objective is that the bag will only be full if all of us put our part in. Even the smallest to the greatest because it takes what we all have to fill the bag up. See, the believers of that day, they existed in a community of like-mindedness because they understood we are under attack, there are things that are happening, and we must stand together. Or better yet, we must kneel together because they Prayed. It said constant prayer, continuous prayer was being prayed on Peter's behalf because they understood the significance but also the power of prayer. See, they didn't go out and, and, and begin to march and protest. They said, we've got one place we're going. We're going to go to the throne of grace. So when we think about this, the church is a community of faith. And, and hear this. A community, by definition, is a collective group of individuals 
in shared faith. If we say that the church is a community of faith, community is a collective group of like-minded individuals. So if we are a community of faith, and faith is what fuels our prayer life, then what happens when we all come in and they're going back to the bag and put our little bit in? Because last week we talked about the personal commitment to faith, to prayer. And we talked about how that prayer is, 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 is personal by nature. Because Jesus said we should pray our Father who art in heaven. That each one of the children, I tell you this, my children oftentimes are campaigning for something to happen. They might say, hey, you know, we'd like to go and, and, and eat at a certain place. I'm thinking through the budget, I'm saying, I don't know about that when the first one asks. They go and they get together. That's actually how people of God, that's how we ended up at, at Disney World back in September. The girls came to me and said, Daddy, remember? You promised that when George was old enough to appreciate the experience, that you would take us to Disney World. And he just turned nine. George, don't you, can't you, don't you think you can appreciate going to Disney World? So notice the impact that a father, how a father's impacted when his children collectively come in one accord in one voice, say, Father, here is what you promised to do on our behalf. Now, we do understand, we understand the Word of God tells us that the, that, that the fervent prayer of one is effectual. We understand that. And effectual says that, effectual by definition is successful in producing a desired outcome. So we understand that one of us can be effectual and fervent in our prayer. According to James 5 and 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of one righteous person avails much. But here's the thing. When we talked about prayer being great possibilities in the very first message, we spoke about how because prayer gives us access to great possibilities, prayer in and of itself is a great possibility because through prayer we can access great possibilities. But that leads us to point number two. And point number two is that the power of unified effort is intensified. See, because if one can pray and it be effectual. What happens when we intensify that by collective prayer? Here's a passage that's oftentimes quoted or referenced, uh, and it's a part of Joshua's farewell address to the people of God as he had completed his assignment and understood his time was short. 
In Joshua chapter 23, verse 10, here's what he says. He says, one man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. So, so Joshua speaks of how powerful one can be when God is involved in the equation. Now, you need to understand that Joshua was not the originator because Moses, in his final song to the children of Israel, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, in verse 30, he says this, how could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight? So you've heard someone say that one puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. Moses sung that as a victory song of how God had worked on their behalf and worked on their, because they, they, come, they come together on one accord. He said, God intensified what we were doing when we came together in collective effort. There's another, there's another story that I'd like to draw into this because we've all heard the story of Jonah. And so most of the time when we talk about Jonah, we speak more of his rebellion and less about the great revival of repentance that happened. Because remember, Jonah's issue was he was rebelling because God had given him a word to go and preach to the Nineveh, to Nineveh. And when he went in, he believed that if they would respond, God would forgive them. He didn't want them to forgive them. He said, because you're merciful, you're going to forgive them. If they turn away, you're going to, you're going to, you, but I want them to suffer. So in chapter 3 in Jonah, here's what it says. So the people of Nineveh believed God. When Joshua told, when Jonah told them what God would do, they believed God. And here's what they did. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. That speaks of prayer. When you read that in Scripture, it's speaking of prayer, that you would do that to say, I'm taking a posture of prayer, of continual prayer. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 8, but let man, let, 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 but let man and beast be covered. In, they said, listen, everybody praying. We're going to have the, the animals praying, the family dog, he praying. You shh, you going to pray too said, let man and beast all be covered in sackcloth. And here's what it says, and let us cry mightily to God. Verse 10 gives us God's response. All the people come together and they pray. They cry mightily. And here's what God does in verse 10. God saw their efforts and he responded. He said, listen, this people get it. They get the power of one. Not one individual, but one accord. This leads to my third and final point for the day. Powerful 
we, when we talk about prayer and its power, we are powerfully together when we come into prayer. Yes, you and I can pray, and I'm sure there's prayer warriors and those who, that's a calling you have. You know that God has placed upon your heart a burden for prayer. But as we consider, slide down there in Acts chapter 12, and I want you to see verse 12. It says, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They were praying and believing God to do something on their behalf. So looking back to the last sermon series, I was, we were teaching on the five purposes of the church. And one of the things we talked about was evangelism, that we all are compelled personally to be a witness, that we all come together and collectively are witnesses. And then through the efforts of the church, we also spread the good news abroad as witnesses. So we, we share with you that I go, that's you personally, we go as a church, and then we are part of the collective effort abroad. And I want to use that to engage us in prayer. So I would say it this way. I pray, we pray, and let us pray. Say it with me. I pray, we pray, let us pray. So I want to share with you because the sermon title today is Now Let Us Pray. We've talked about our individual commitment to prayer. Now let's commit to prayer together. So what we're going to endeavor to do is a time of church-wide collaborative prayer engagement. The purpose of this time is that we will come together collectively as a church on one accord under this collaborative effort. There are some things about this that you need to understand because although we're looking in chapter 12 of Acts, the passage of scripture we're using as the thrust of this prayer effort is actually found in Acts chapter 4. If you would turn there with me, please. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 24 because there's something that I want to point out that is significant about when we come together collectively for a collaborative effort. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. Here's what it says there. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And said, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in it. They came together in one accord, one voice to declare, God, we, we need you and you are great and able to do it. 
So this time of prayer, the first part of it is I pray. So here's what we're proposing for you to do and inviting you into that every Amity steward starting today through Sunday, April the 3rd, would just commit to be prayerful over these focused prayer requests that we, we are going to set forth. That each one of us decides today, I'm going to pray often, whenever it comes to mind, whenever the Holy Spirit brings it back to my remembrance, I'm going to pray for these things starting today, March the 6th, through Sunday, April the 3rd. Because here's the thing, prayer takes commitment. We talked about that last night, last week. You've got to commit to it. You've got to say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. Individual, I pray. Then we move to the we pray. So what we're going to ask you to do, what we would like to have is teams of four to six people for every day. Sign up. It can begin now. You can sign up and sign up for one of the days of the month that you say, I'm going to pray. So there's going to be a team of individuals between four and six that will commit time on that particular day. You don't have to come together, but just you're on a team knowing that you're with others that on this particular day, I'm signed up that at some point throughout the day, I'm going to spend some time praying. That is our we pray. Because the goal is to have a team of individuals that are assigned for every day, starting from today through April the 3rd, that we know that four to six people is praying that day. That they're making it, this is my assignment today, I've got to pray for these things. That's our we pray. Then the last one is in our let us pray. So every Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., we're going to have a virtual prayer meeting that we're going to come together for a few minutes every Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock via Zoom and have a few minutes of prayer collectively. That's our we pray. That we're going to say that during this time, you may be still in bathrobes, still have rollers, keep your, keep your screen off. You won't have to say anything because we'll have one uh, of our elders and one of our leaders that will be praying, you're simply going to come in to that time and be in agreement because it's our let us pray. All over the Metroplex. We live all over the Metroplex. So, so all over the Metroplex at 6 o'clock, there's going to be people that's going to gather in one place virtually and pray over these things. We pray. Now, as you saw, the people of Nineveh, they also proclaimed a fast. So we have, as a part of this prayer effort, an optional prayer, uh, an optional time of fasting. So it's optional. It's not required, but it's, we're, we're encouraging you to fast. And then within the optional fast is another option because the fast will have two different commitments you can make. You can either commit for from 6 a.m. to 12 noon, or you can commit from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Here's the key. It's a hydration only, water only fast. 
It's optional. It's up to you. As you feel so compelled, you may say, I'm going to do, I'm going to choose one of those Wednesdays. I'm going to do it. But it's going to happen also on every Wednesday starting this week through April the 3rd. You can choose whether you're going to fast 6 to, six to 12 noon or if you're going to endeavor for the entire 12 hours. But whatever you feel compelled to do, the one accord is that this is a time that we're setting aside to come together to do it. Now, there's some prayer focuses that we have, and you should, if you didn't receive this, you will receive one on your way out. There's some cards that help you that can keep it by your bedside, you can stick it in your purse, put it in your pocket, you can take a picture of it and have it on your phone, however you want to do it. But there are some prayer focuses that we're going to pray for during this time. One, first, we're going to pray for our founding pastor and our pastor emeritus, Pastor Les Smith, and his family because he's done full-time ministry for all these years. And now as he's, there's a new phase of ministry for him, a new phase that we're praying for God as he adjusts to this new normal for him. Then we'll be praying for me and my family as we then come into that role and, and want to feel the, the, the great commission that God set forth into, in bringing us here and why we're here to serve as we get to know who you are and you get to know us. We're also going to be praying for our elders and our leaders. We've just ordained our deacon body and we're excited about having them. And we also very soon will be ordaining our first elder group. So praying for them as they navigate these challenging times of helping to lead Amity forward. Then we're going to focus our attention on Amity itself, first and foremost, for its people, because Amity is people, that we'll be praying for one another, praying for each one, everyone, whomever God puts on your heart, that during this time that we're praying one for another. We're also going to focus our time for praying for the ministries of the church. And here's something that's a part of that. Praying for a renewed sense of commitment to serve here at Amity. Change causes us some time to step back. It causes us to put our service robe on the hook. But we're going to be praying that God will continue to stir our hearts to get back in where we fit in and begin to do that for which God has purposed for us to fulfill here at Amity because we're better together. We can only do it together. Praying for that sense, renewed sense of service here at Amity. Praying for our oneness. That as we collectively come to this place in this season, we all are experiencing this time differently. But we can come together in one accord and see God do great things here in Amity. We're going to be praying for the mission of Amity and our fulfillment of that mission, to know God and to make him known. Amity has set itself forth to go and seek to save the lost and that we Continue to, to, to strive in the fire 
the fire that burns brightly in our hearts to go after those that they might know him. And then all of our evangelistic efforts. Personally, individually, as God is laying on our hearts to speak to someone, to be a witness, that each one of us will feel empowered and confident and assured enough that we can share this good news with someone. And then last, but certainly not least, praying for the Holy Spirit to guide our steps. Because if we, we can have all kind of programs and plans, but all of those things are only fulfilled according to God's will when it's superintended by his Holy Spirit. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.